Hello and welcome back to the Ascent Cycling Podcast for today's daily recap of stage number 8 of the Tour de France 2021, a stage between Oyonna and Le Grand Bornon, which was completely mental and I think that's been the case for every stage so far on this Tour de France, but today, today we saw something out of the ordinary, we saw an epic stage uh, and an epic ride by a certain Slovenian. We saw an absolutely epic ride of something I can't recall really seeing in cycling before. Tane Pogaccia attacked with, I think, around 28k to go, just under 30k to go, I think it was. Um, and no GC favourite could come close to following. Carapaz tried, had to be dropped straight away pretty much. And then to open up a three minute plus gap before the finish line on the rest of those guys, considering a fair chunk of that time was downhill as well. I've never seen anything like this guy. It's mind-blowing, like genuinely mind-blowing. The whole stage was completely crazy. We'll go into more details about the stage, but Tadej Pogacar's ride today was a lesson of cycling. And I think you could apply that to the, entire, the entirety of UAE because yesterday's stage, which we did not cover, UAE was put into a lot of difficulties by the other teams. And many people had said that if you want to have a chance at beating Pogacar, you need to put UAE in what well, in difficulty you need to put them to in their last strength but today well i mean they, they just turned up brian mcnulty unbelievable wide davide formolo what an effort by the italian rider and then yeah with 30k to go tade Bugajar had no teammates left and stepped on the pedal only carapaz could follow uh but then tade delivered two other blows and the ecuadorian the uh jaguar de tulcan was out of the equation, Tadej then flies away and it's a monster performance. It's absolutely unbelievable what the Slovenian has achieved today. I don't think there's actually a word that I can use to describe it. You know, unbelievable, but that's not strong enough for me. It was just out of this world. He's, it's like he's riding a different race. It's like he's riding against 12-year-olds here or, or people from a different planet. You know, it's, it's absurd. It's crazy what Tadej Pogacar has done today, which does mean he has pretty much a five-minute lead on almost everyone else in the GC bar. Wout van Aert, of course. Um, you mentioned Davide Formolo there. He actually finished just behind, or basically in the group of the GC favourites as well. He was uber strong today. Haven't seen a mountain performance like that from him recently. Uh, we haven't. And also, like we have to know, he was the leader of the UAE on the Giro. And uh, he had been slightly disappointing. Uh, I know you had him as your favourite to win on a certain uh, state. I think it was Sega Diala. Uh, but obviously we took an L because that was our predictions on the Giro. Um, but yeah, today he, he looked like a different human. It, UAE looked like a different team. Like the entire peloton was doing an like an alpine stage, and UAE was doing a team time trial of third of like two hundred k, but flat. That's how I saw it because the difference of pace was staggering. And I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm left for words. I don't think many people have the words to describe it. However, however, uh, one team today was victorious. And once again, Bahrain. Back-to-back wins for the Bahraini outfit. Yesterday was Matej Mohoric's turn to well, be a three-time winner on all Grand Tours. Dylan Tons has now a second stage win on the Tour de France. Unbelievable riders by the Belgian today um, in a very um, hectic breakaway, we'll say. But he came back on Michael Woods, who I believe was your pick of the day, uh, and then just hammered the descent and make sure that he would win after the Colombia. 
Yeah, really strong ride. Not a rider I thought could do super well today, to be honest. It was a really good breakaway up the roads. Jonas Geri and Mike Woods, like you said, the second strongest. And uh, I'd like to think you were worried for a second key on seeing uh, Mike Woods go clear earlier on in the stage. Um, but yeah, he was he faded towards the end, didn't he? And and uh, was passed by Toons, caught and passed by a few others as well. But um, yeah, not quite to be. We stayed two all in the prediction game. I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about that a little later on, though. But Dylan Toons, he seems to pop up out of nowhere occasionally. You know, he, he's been pretty average so far this season which he said himself in the in the post-stage interview um but yeah just unstoppable today and a really 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 strong breakaway a really strong breakaway that actually took a lot of time to actually form uh because we had just like yesterday such a high paced first 50 kilometers 60 kilometers and uh i'm for transparency i woke up at 1 30 right so the stage had begun I open my phone, I go on Twitter, and the first thing I see is a tweet by the Gruppetto saying that Roglic and Geraint Thomas have been dropped. And I was like, what? What's happened? So I had to go back and see the first, like, 50 kilometers because it was mental. Tadej Pogacar even ended up in a breakaway at some point. Uh, and then a lot of riders did try to make a move. We ended up having a very strong breakaway with the likes of Nairo Quintana. I believe Guillaume Martin was in the break. Woods, Izagire, Dylan Tunes, um, and yeah, like they they started the final three climbs with a decent lead. Dylan Tunes was uh, strong enough to retain said lead. Michael Woods, though, fair play to the guy because he attacked from far off. He was from very far out um, because we know he's not the best downhill rider, so he would have needed a decent gap going into uh, the Col de Rome, the Col de la Colombia, sorry. But yeah, Dylan Tunes, just like he did in 2019, uh, winning a stage you don't expect him to win. He had one on La Planche de Belfi. And now he wins in uh, Le Grand Bornon. But we did see a lot of other GC contenders really drop out of out of contention entirely today. Like you said, Roglic and Geraint dropped. But we also saw Superman Lopez, Nibali, who gained that sign the other day. I think we also saw Alaphilippe bomb, bomb out completely. He was 18 minutes down on Pogaccia. So this GC has really narrowed down very early in this race. We've had one mountain stage. And already, bar Pogaccia, who looks like he's going to win this as a canter, um, it seems like we have just a couple of GC favourites left. You know, the Ineos Grenadiers, they only have Carapaz. They came into this race with four real options. So it's a very, very kind of narrowed down GC race right now. It is. It's a very narrow. I mean, I don't think um, so. a team like Ineos or potentially even Jombo Visma right now are going to try and fight for a second. I think their plan was, is, and still is to try and get first place. But... In my mind, the only way to do that was to put Pogacar, like, to, to isolate him, to put him into a, a situation where he could only rely on himself. But he's shown today that he can do that and he can bully everyone. So I don't think there's a recipe to try and, uh, and beat Pogacar. And actually, I was looking at the results. It's something that has to be mentioned, and I don't think I've seen it in a long time. Um, there's only been 49 riders finishing within 10 minutes of the delays. The last 100 riders of the peloton finished within 10 minutes of being out of the delays. That is staggering because this stage on paper wasn't that tough. Like, it wasn't meant to be the stage where, every, like, where the gaps are being made. And to see those gaps on this stage, 
it's scary. And I think it raises the question you've asked at the end of the time trial on stage five, um, who can win against Pogacar? Can someone beat Pogacar? And how many Tour de France is he going to win? My question is, did we bring in a handicap system? Did we say Pogacar has to start with 10 minutes or something at the beginning of the race and see if he can still win? Because I, I think it'd still be the favourite, to be honest, racing like this. It's it's crazy. It's just crazy. I've never seen something like this in cycling. For there to be such a big gap between everyone and then one single rider. So um, I'm kind of dumbfounded, to be honest, as to what to say. Um, I'm shocked by how strong he was because he, he dropped Carapaz and sure, I expected him to maybe go on, get 30 seconds a minute, but the gap just grew every time it pops up on the graphic. It was 30 seconds more than five minutes ago. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of shocked here, Gil. I don't know. Um, I don't know what to say, but I think the Tour de France, unless something terrible like a, a bad crash happens to Pogaccia, I don't see him losing this race really. And the thing is, Ineos had the numbers, Movistar had the numbers, Jumbo Visma had the numbers as well. They still have two riders up there, to be fair. But um, all of those teams who had the numbers and that was how they were going to try and attack Pogaccia, they've gone. So uh, I don't know. I, I think it's a race for second right now. I'm not going to lie. I think it is. I think one one factor that has to be taken into consideration is that the weather on the Tour de France hasn't been the best for now. And Tadej enjoys that kind of like... Um, not good weather, we'll say. I don't know what... I mean, he likes rain, so he's a wrong one. But like, someone like Carapaz likes warm weather. And in the Pyrenees, there's a solid chance that we'll see that. So maybe then we'll see a change of physiognomy. Maybe Carapaz will have the edge. I don't know. I don't think weather plays that much when the legs of Tadej are just this strong. I think he could win in a blizzard. Uh, but I can't... Like, I'm trying to think. I've watched cycling for the past 14 years. I can't think of a single, single performance that was this dominant. Like, even prime Chris Froome on, like, the Vento in 2013 or 14, it wasn't that dominant because he actually struggled to, like, drop Quintana. And here, Tadej just, it took him two attacks. Two attacks to put Carapaz three minutes down. And Carapaz is not, like, your usual rider. He's a Grand Tour winner, arguably the second best climber on this Tour de France. And that's mental. Yeah, really is. Really is. Don't know what to say, Guillaume, but uh, I, w I must say, Alexei Lutsenko surprised me today. Again, he's third in GC now. Um, but I do want to talk about Jumbo Visma. They have Wout van Aert, who's the only rider within four and a half minutes of Tade. He's just under two minutes down now in second place. So he still plays really well in the GC. They have Goal as well, exactly five minutes down. How do you play this if you're Jumbo Visma? Obviously, Roglic, Kurs, they're out the equation. Um, Kurs and Kreuzweit really don't seem to be riding too well either. So how do you approach this? Do you try and keep Wout there or do you maybe go for Vinkgoal only? What, what do you um, do if you're the Jumbo guy? If I'm Jumbo, I think I'm going for Jonas Vinkgoal. However, I do allow Wout van Aert to have like a free element role for the remainder of the Tour de France. I don't think you... like If he gets dropped, I don't think he drops everyone with him. But, like, he can have a leader position or a co-leader position with Jonas Vingegaard because he looked very strong today. I mean, he only loses, I believe, one and a half minutes mm -hmm. on the main GC group. And that is a performance from Wout Van Aert because yesterday's stage took a, a very big toll on most of the riders. Like, yesterday's stage was a tough one. And Wout Van Aert to just end up one and a half minutes behind the likes of Carapaz, behind the likes of Henrik Maas, of David Gaudu, 
it's a performance in itself. So I think you go for Vingegaard because he's your most reliable source or chance for the GC. But if you can keep Ovan out there, then I think it's a very decent thing. But you've mentioned Lutsenko. Uh, I, did, I, I don't think I expected him to be at this level. Um, it's staggering as well. Yeah, yeah, it really is. I'm shocked by that. And I think, uh, you know, he's he's surpassed expectations already. So if he hangs around the GC, um, it'll be a bonus, really. But um, yeah, I really hope Yumbo really do give work for at least that kind of freedom role. Um, and I feel like he can definitely get a GC result. I did a video on it. I've tweeted about it as well. Um, a lot of people disagreeing with me saying he, he's not going to hang it in the mountains. But I really feel Wout Van Aert can get a real result i'm not sure if a podium could be on the cards a top five i'm not sure exactly but i really feel like well for can get a real top result in the gc at this tour de france and he has that buffer let's remember he still has three minutes to all the other gc contenders and more to carapaz so he can lose a minute he can lose two minutes on the next mountain stage as well and he still looks good in the gc um, and who, who knows, maybe he could go in a breakaway again, steal some more time like they did on stage seven. So, yeah, I, I feel like Wout van Aert is being kind of overlooked here by a lot of people. I think he is. Um, I, I think you've you've mentioned in your video that he, in your eyes, he could be in contention for a podium, I think. I think that might be a stretch. In my eyes, the the range for Wout on this sort of France is six to ten, I think. Uh, because I do think he's going to lose time in the mountain. Sure, he's proven already this year on, on Pratitivo mainly that he can climb with the best. He had only lost like 45 seconds on Saturday. But across three weeks, that's a whole different story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I do think what's going to benefit him is the penultimate time trial or the, the, the time trial on the penultimate day where he can potentially like just, if he's 11th, get back into the top 10. I think he's going to struggle to be in the top five, if I'm being honest. Uh, but yeah, he's being definitely overlooked by most. Uh, and in a way, it's not too bad for him, I think, to have that status. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. 100%. And I think Tade doesn't overlook him because we saw Wout try and go in the breakaway again today numerous times and Tade was on his case. He was riding himself on the front, making sure he didn't go in the break. So I know Pogaccia isn't underestimating Van Arts, And um, I think, you know, he, he sees him as perhaps a contender in the GC at this stage of the race. So... We'll learn a lot, a lot more on the Stage 9 to team, which I think we'll take a look at right now, Guillaume. So Stage 9 of the Tour de France, like I said, we head up the Monte de team. We have over 4,500 metres of climbing on this stage. We have the first HC climb of the Tour de France. We have plenty of first and second category climbs as well. It's a massive day in the GC again, Guillaume. And the final climb is over 20 kilometers in length. So that's really the big climb of the day. But we could have things shaken up before. Um, I think it's the Col de Pre, which is a, a little earlier on. And that is the first HC category climb of the Tour de France. Um, we could see some attacks there. It kind of reminds me of a stage we saw when Nairo Quintana won at the Tour de France a few years ago. I think where we had the, um, was it the racing starts? Was it that mm-hmm. stage? Um, and it reminds me of that stage. We have three big mountain peaks essentially finishing on the colossal Monte de Team. So, what do you think is going to happen here, Guillaume? Uh, I think it's we've got two different races that could be played. One will have a very similar scenario to today with an extremely high pace and a main breakaway that will most likely go after the intermediate sprint in Prasurali and between the summit of the Col de Sésie. I think that's the best window for the breakaway. Or 
we're going to have a peloton that takes it a bit more slowly, uh, a bit more reserved, and you'll have an early breakaway just going before the start of the Côte de Mancy. Um, so that would be interesting. The one thing I'll say is that the Montetine, despite being 20 kilometers long, it's a boring climb. I mean, it's it's not the <laughs> toughest. It's, it's not boring. Like for uh, Most of the riders and the Gruppetto is going to hate me for saying this because they're going to struggle and I won't because I'll be sat in this chair watching it. But <laughs> it is not the toughest of climbs. And it's the, the main worry is that you go over 2,000 meters and some of the riders are going to struggle, i.e. Alejandro Valverde. Uh, but 5% average with a f- some flat portions, I mean, I don't think we'll see many, many gaps on Tigne. Um So I would back a breakaway in my eyes to win it. Also, the final like two kilometers are actually flat. So if you have a small group, you can end up having a sprint rather than a solo rider. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a, a flat section kind of halfway up as well. I think 12k up the climb, there is kind of 2k false flat downhill briefly as well. So like I say, I think it averages around five and a half percent. Um, So it clearly isn't the most challenging in terms of percentages. It's more challenging in terms of length. And as well, when you've had the the previous climbs in the legs, that adds to it, of course. But in in isolation, it's really not the most challenging climb. Also, the altitude as well, of course, makes it challenging. But um, yeah, I don't think it is the queen stage of this Tour de France, even though I think it's the stage with the most climbing meters. I don't think it is either. And actually, um, I was just I, I just checked on uh, on Postacli Stats to make sure of what I was going to say. But if you take a look at the 2018 Tour de France, uh, you had a stage between Albertville and La Rosière, which was won by Geraint Thomas. Um, it was a very similar scenario. You started with a HC. This time, I believe we started with the Col des Saisies. But then you had the Col du Pré, Cormé de Roseland, and the climb towards La Rosière. 17 kilometers, average of 5.8. This time, we've got the climb of Tignes, 20 kilometers, average of 5.5. And the gaps weren't that massive. I believe there was only 20 seconds or 25 mm-hmm. seconds between the top five. Now, sure, no one was as dominant as today, but I do believe that a strong breakaway could win it. Uh, the question is, well, who? My counter-argument quickly to that is that in the 2018 tour as well, we had almost, well, we had the identical finish that we just had on stage eight uh, to Le Grand Bonon and Julian Alaphilippe won that day. And I noticed the GC guys all came in together, 15 riders. We know we know that wasn't the case today. So um, even though it was only Pogaccio up the road. So I do feel like it's a different tour this year with such big gaps already. Hopefully it will be raced more aggressively. It might be. It might be. But I think maybe some of the riders will need a break uh, after a very, very tough first week. I can't remember like the first week of Tour de France being this like battled. So maybe they'll get this as a kind of a rest day or a prelude to the rest day, which will like, actually come in in two days. Uh, but we shall see. We shall see. Anyway, I think uh, I think we'll move into the predictions. Two all still, despite me. Uh, oh, I thought I had Mike Woods for a little bit. I thought I was going 3-2 up and going into the lead for the first time in our prediction game. But um, not to be, but I think it will be a breakaway win. Um, I think you agree, Guillaume. Do you want to kick things off or should I go first? Uh, you know what? You can start it off. So I shall go for Miguel Angel Lopez to win this stage nine of the Tour de France. Big altitudes, big long climb. We saw him, I think it was uh, the Col de la Loz last year at the Tour. He won that stage, massive climb over 20k in length, high altitude. 
He likes that, even though he's clearly not on his best form, I wouldn't say. Um, but now he's allowed in the breakaway is the key point. And I think he will go in the breakaway um, on this stage. So I think Miguel Angel Lopez is my pick to win the stage. Okay. So you're going for a very big name. Um, I too am going for a Colombian, a Colombian that was in the breakaway today. I'm going to back Nairoman Quintana to win at the Monte de Tigne. Uh, I think it's a climb that suits him. It's quite a rolling climb, as I said. There's no steep gradient. Um, I think if he goes into an early breakaway with potentially some teammates like Warren Bargill, you could see a few things. I think we'll also see Bahrain making a move for mainly work pulls because he did move into Polka. We didn't mention it. Uh, but we do have yet another Dutch rider in the Polka jersey. Um, and yeah, I think Nairo Quintana will take the win. Regarding the podium, I, I would be lying if I said I had any real idea, but I will back Ben O'Connor in P2 and uh, Emmanuel Bourman will take P3. Interesting. I'll go uh, for, to round off my podium. I shall go for Jakob Fusang. Mm-hmm. Actually, no, I won't. I won't go for Jakob Fusang. I'll go for Dan Martin in seconds. And I shall go for Hazel Sorada in third place. Very well. Yeah. I mean, let's come back to this prediction when Tadej Pogacar wins by 10 minutes. Yeah, looking forward to it. But that, nevertheless, is going to wrap up this daily recap of the Tour de France. We do hope you've enjoyed it. If you did, then do make sure to leave a like down below to follow us on the respective platforms, where it is on Twitter or the podcast one. But we will see you tomorrow for the daily recap of Stage 9. And Joe, do you have a final word for us? GG, Tadej. It's Stanley World. We're living in it. Have a good night, guys. See ya. Cheers, guys.